0: Well, it's really good to uh, be with you again uh, this morning. Uh, Steve, uh, would you believe, texted me this morning to wish me all the best, which I thought was really wonderful. Um, and he's asked me to uh, do a two-week series on Christian basics. Remember, we were talking about Christian basics. And uh, I said, well, while you're away, Steve, I'll do stewardship. And he went, wow, that's great. I don't have to do it. So uh, this week I'll be looking at stewardship. Now, the definition of stewardship is someone's stewardship of something is the way in which that person controls or organises it. Often, in monetary terms, it's not your money. You are just stewards of that money, looking after it. Theologically uh, speaking, of course, C.S. Lewis, in his book... Uh, Mere Christianity, anyone read Mere Christianity? Great book if you get a chance to read it. Uh, He said this, Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, You could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. There were three uh, pastors who met and began to discuss how they decided how much money to give to God once the payday came around. And the first pastor said, well, that's easy. I draw a circle and I take all my money and I throw it up in the air. And whatever lands outside the circle, that I give to God. And the second pastor said, this is my method. I take all of my money and I throw it up into the air. And whatever comes up heads, that's what I give to God. And the third pastor sort of snorted and said, well, I'm sticking with my method I take all of my money and I throw it up in the air and whatever stays in the air, (laughs) I give to God. Someone once said, what I spent is gone, what I kept is lost, but what I gave away will be mine forever. Now, the task of preaching a stewardship sermon is sometimes referred to as the sermon on the amount. (laughs) It's often loathed by some pastors. They aren't comfortable discussing money with their partners in the comfort of their own living rooms, much less talking about it with the whole congregation in a worship service. These ministers feel that it is unnecessary to discuss such mundane matters in church. Well, just in case you're wondering, I'm not one of those pastors. I'm actually excited about today's sermon. If we pastors can't talk about what the church does for people and why they should support it, we should all find a different line of work. So my sermon title today is Lighten Up Your Pockets. We've had this year, haven't we, of lightening up. Lighten up your pockets. You see, we have three gifts, just three gifts to offer one another and this church. Our time, our talent, and our treasures. Each of us possesses each of these in a different measure. For some, a few spare hours a week are as precious as gold. Some are blessed with unique talents that others lack, talents for music or for leadership or for empathy. And some here are blessed with financial security. None is more or less valuable than any other, and all three are equally needed to sustain our faith community. Now, fortunately, many of us have more than just one of these in some measure. We have some time and some talents and some treasure. The danger, I suppose, is is that if the church puts such an emphasis on money, those who struggle financially feel underappreciated or sometimes ashamed. So let us not lose sight during this sermon that treasures are but one of the gifts that we share with one another and which are needed to support our community. Now, it's not enough, of course, to simply possess certain degrees of time, talent and treasures. Hoarding these and holding on to them for ourselves does not, least of all ourselves, any good. And here is a truth that we often overlook... We are generous people. Now let me say that again. We are generous people. I've witnessed countless acts of generosity among members of Bayview since Sally and I were welcomed here three years ago. And we have experienced your generosity personally. This generosity is revealed by the way that we take care for one another when one of us is ill or grieving the loss of a loved one. It lives and breathes in the covenant we share, committing ourselves to the task of affirming and promoting the inherent worth and dignity of every person. To bring our principles to life, to teach them to our children, to live in this covenantal relationship with each other, requires a tremendous generosity of spirit. We, you, are a generous people. Now, if I were to ask you what subject Jesus spoke about more than any other subject, I wonder what your answer would be. Well, it may surprise you to learn that Jesus spoke more about money than any other subject. 88 times in Matthew, 54 times in Mark, 92 times in Luke. 16 out of Jesus' 38 parables refer to the right and wrong use of material possessions. Jesus spoke about money more than he did about new birth, heaven, hell, the Trinity or even his second coming. So we need to give this subject close attention. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said there are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, the mind and the purse. Of these three, It may well be that we moderns find the conversion of the purse the most difficult. It is time to make our renewed commitment to God by pledging our financial support towards the Lord's work here in Bayview and beyond. At the same time, we renew our commitment to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we are challenged to renew our financial commitment in the light of God's word. Now in St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, the second half of chapter 9, part of which uh, Sally read this morning, Paul urges the Corinthian Christians to send their promised gift to the Christians in Jerusalem. The project often known as the Great Collection was a major focus of Paul's ministry for seven or eight years, probably from AD 48 to 56. The Corinthians were challenged by Paul to give sacrificially, with thanksgiving, with singleness of heart and sincerity. You see, in the church, there are no taxes. There are no dues. There are no membership fees the ministry of the church is supported as each member gives. As St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm using the Passion version here, which I'm beginning to uh, get into. A stingy sower will reap a meagre harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Saw that this morning, didn't we? Hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do, just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way, as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praise and thanksgiving to God himself. For as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God. All because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them toward those in need. Because of this extraordinary grace, which God has lavished on you, they will affectionately remember you in their prayers. Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. You see, God's grace towards us reproduces his graciousness within us. And since God's grace towards us is infinite and not measured out, we who receive it are to show generosity without measurement or calculation. We are not under compulsion. Therefore ours is to be a ready, not a reluctant response. Now you may have heard it said, give until it hurts. But I would urge you to give until it feels good. God loves hilarious generosity. Because he himself is an hilarious giver. When Paul writes to the Corinthians about giving He doesn't encourage them to be casual or impulsive givers. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Inward resolve is to be followed by decisive and joyful giving. Now, of course, Jesus gives us a wonderful example. Luke chapter 21. Jesus was in the temple observing all the wealthy wanting to be noticed as they came with their offerings. He noticed a very poor widow dropping two small copper coins in the offering box. Listen to me, he said. This poor widow has given a larger offering than any of the wealthy. For the rich only gave out of their surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had to live on. You see, what is important is my motive for giving. Am I seeking to relieve my guilt? Various faulty motives may inspire us to give generously, but only a real appreciation of God's grace to us can prompt us to give hilariously. You see, St. Paul never deviates from the truth that God saves us by his free grace and not through good works such as giving. In other words, giving is a proof or a confession of the gospel of Christ. Such goodness is the confirmation of our salvation, but not its basis. Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. And all this in turn leads to God being glorified in the sharing that takes place. Paul writes, for as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God. All because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ, as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them towards those in need. Because of this extraordinary grace, which God has lavished on you. They will affectionately remember you in their prayers. You see, Paul is showing them that they are in fellowship with their Christian brothers and sisters because of their willingness to share what they have. Now, the church, at its best, at its very best, has the character of a community where the body is dependent and interdependent on all of the parts. To be truly in fellowship means sharing all that we have, including our time and our talents and our treasure. And we must not forget that what we share, what we offer as the people of God, is to God and that God gives the offering to the church to carry on God's mission. Now, to remember that the offering is a response of the people to the love and the goodness of God, and is given to God is an act of people who know they are members of the household of God. In my priestly ministry in the Anglican Church, I said this prayer every Sunday. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. And the congregation would all say, blessed be God forever. Now, when we come to make our commitment this year, will we remember that? What will our attitude be to sharing what we have? What will be our priority as members of this fellowship? How much should I give to show that I love God more than money? What should my attitude be? Our example should be Jesus and his great gift, to us, Offered his entire living, not in the offering plate at the temple, but on a cross at Calvary. So what is your commitment and loyalty to Jesus Christ? What is your commitment and loyalty to the church? Is it a case of, well, I'm only one person, I can't make a difference? It doesn't matter. What I give. Or are there others who can give more than me? It doesn't matter what I give. The poet Edward Everett Hale put it like this. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything... I will not refuse to do the something I can do. What if every member of our church supported the church just as you do? What kind of church would you have? What if every single member served the church, attended the church, loved the church, shared the church, and gave to the church exactly as you do? What kind of church? would we be? There was a long-running radio program in America called The Prairie Home Companion. I don't know if any of you might have heard it. It's about a mythical town called Lake Wobegon. And there are lots of stories told. And this is one of those. The sermon had been droning on far too long. And Clarence Bunsen had checked out early He realizes it's almost time for the offering, so he quietly reaches for his wallet. Upon opening his wallet, Clarence discovers he has no cash. He takes out his pen and hides the checkbook in the middle of his Bible, next to the one of the Psalms. He begins to scratch out a cheque for $30 because he almost had a heart attack that week and because somebody in the church will count the offering and he wants them to see that he gave $30. He tries not to be obvious. But a lady to his right sees him. Clarence can tell she's thinking he's writing in the Bible. So he doesn't look at what he's doing. She gives him a funny stare and turns back to the sermon. Clarence tries to quietly rip the cheque out of the chequebook with limited success, still not looking at what he's doing, so the lady in the pew won't know he has written out a cheque to the church. The offering bowl comes by and Clarence proudly puts in the cheque, only to realise a moment too late that he has just written a cheque for $300. He accidentally wrote 300 when he wasn't looking. What could he do? On the one hand, he couldn't go after church and find those counting the collection and say, there's been a mistake. I gave more than I really wanted to. On the other hand, He gave all he had in the checking account and a little more. Perhaps he and his family will have to eat baked beans and porridge for the rest of the month. Clarence thought even though the contribution was going to a good place, what about him? One thing was for sure. In that moment, Clarence felt fully alive for the first time all day. Commitment beyond calculation. That's what God in Christ is watching for. The Lord has been so generous in providing every gift we need. Every day he watches to see what we will do, what he has given us. And the nameless widow did not just give her money, she gave her heart to God. And the money went with it. Easier said than done i hear you cry I don't have much to give I can't afford to be generous I really don't have anything to offer but the promise of the gospel is sure The Lord can do a lot with a little when he has it all We are so fortunate here at Bayview We are a growing church of 300 which has been so blessed with an excellent ministry team. But we need more resources if we are to add to the team to provide sufficient ministry into the future. So today I'm suggesting that we lighten up our pockets. Review your giving, especially if you give by direct debit. Now, it's a great way to give, but you can fall into the trap of set and forget. When was the last time you reviewed your direct debit giving? Sally and I have fallen into that trap, set and forget. We realised that we had set and forgotten. So recently, we doubled our monthly giving just to catch up. How much should I give to show that I love God more than money? What should my attitude be? Go break to the needy sweet charity's bread. For giving is living, the angel said. And must I be giving again and again? My peevish and pitiless answer ran. Oh no, said the angel, piercing me through. Just give till the master stops giving to you. Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words.